The Colts offense doesn't need to reinvent the wheel in this playoff push. They just need to rely on a pair of their stars. Let's get to it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, thanks for tuning in and joining us today. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What's up, everybody? This is Jake Arthur and Zach Hicks from thehorseshoehuddle.com. And today we're going to talk to you a little bit about uh, just the Colts riding this three-game high and you got six games left. What needs to happen in order in order for them to survive and kind of take advantage of this somewhat weak schedule, dare I say, uh, in order to, I guess, secure a playoff spot because they're kind of sitting in it right now. So uh, first up, we're going to kind of dive into the offense. What do they need to do overall defensively? Uh, it's not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks that they still have to face really the toughest one that they have to face still is the likely offensive rookie of the year and then last in light of Frank Reich being uh, dismissed again by the Carolina Panthers we're going to show some Shane Steichen appreciation but up first Zach uh, we're looking into this offense you know it's been generally fine at times Uh, the quarterback play has kind of been lumpy occasionally which has kind of caused some issues to come up but generally, it's been fine as long as they take care of the ball. Uh, you're, you're looking at this here. The defenses they're facing, it's not crazy. You know, they have Tennessee, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Las Vegas, and Houston coming up. There's reasons to be wary of each unit, but overall, they're not you know, they're not facing any killers. Uh, so when you look at this and you study the offense, what do you think they need to do to just do enough and tread water to, to actually punch their ticket to the playoffs? Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it is looking at what the Colts just did this past game against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where, yes, there were some things that the Colts would want to take back on offense. You know, the third down percentage was not good in that in this past game. You want much better than what they did on third down. But for the most part, if you look at how this offensive game plan went, it went all according to schedule. It went really well. I mean, they were able to have a really high success rate. They were able to get into third and manageable quite a bit. And even when they weren't converting on third down, they were getting into fourth and shorts and, and converting on those fourth down tries. I mean, they converted three or four fourth down tries uh, for a couple chunk plays as well in this past game. And overall, I think when you look at the quarterback play of this past game compared to the two previous games against the Panthers and the Patriots, um, this is more of what you want from Gardner Minshew if you're going to be a playoff push type of team. Again, I don't think this is the type of team that can really push it to the Super Bowl or anything like that or push it to the deeper end of the playoffs because they just don't have that high level quarterback play. But you can survive this last stretch with Gardner Minshew if you're getting what he did this past weekend. The two throws, yes, the two awful turnover-worthy throws, really bad. Yes, the one interception and then the one that should have been an interception that Alec Pierce luckily broke up uh, towards the end of the first half. You can't have those. Those are horrible plays. But aside from that, 
I, I do think Gardner Minshew played one of his better games of the season just because this offense was operational again. They're able to keep the ball moving. They're able to get into prime position to get points. And even though the offense was a little conservative at times and he took a little bit, you know, there were a couple of third downs and fourth downs where he threw the ball a little short of the sticks where you'd want to maybe attack a little bit more down the field. It was still an operational offense. It was a high success rate offense that was able to get into scoring position multiple times. Uh, I think if the Colts are really going to have are going to be able to compete with these teams down the stretch are going to have a chance to make the playoffs. They need that version of Gardner Minshew. There's still a lot of issues. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not here saying Gardner Minshew is fixed all of a sudden, like he's all of a sudden their franchise quarterback or anything for the rest of the year. But what we really just need from him is operational is perfectly fine, operational mid-level quarterback play. And that's what he gave the Colts on Sunday. And if he can give that these last couple of weeks against, like you said, a lot of backup caliber quarterbacks that the Colts are facing with their defense playing much better football now, you know, they can win these games, but they just need that Gardner Minshew. They can't have the Gardner Minshew of the Jacksonville Jaguars game. They can't have the Gardner Minshew of the Panthers or the Patriots games. Like, yes, you can beat the Panthers and the Patriots with that type of Gardner Minshew performance, but you're not going to beat maybe even Tennessee with that type of Gardner Minshew performance. You're definitely not beating Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, maybe even Vegas, and, and definitely not Houston with that kind of Gardner Minshew performance. So uh, they just need what we saw from Minshew this past weekend to steady the, just steady the ship and play well, play fast, up-tempo, really good on the RPOs, get the ball out quick, get into third and manageable, and hopefully convert more of those third downs going forward. They can win games with that kind of process there on offense going forward. Yeah, I, I think it's all about taking care of the ball. And honestly, I kind of I kind of discount the the interception a little bit from the, the actual interception because to me it just looked like a miscommunication. Right. Like Downs was supposed to keep running out and you know he just sat on it and they just weren't on the same page, which you hope stuff like that, it's now gonna be week 13, that kind of stuff gets cleaned up. Um, but still I, I didn't think it was just some we, we've seen him make much worse throws, I think, throughout the season. But I, I agree. I think, like, generally, as long as he takes care of the ball, the rest of the stuff is fine. He's going to probably do some wacky stuff when it comes to feeling pressure or what he senses as pressure. Uh, but I, I still think what they did, especially yesterday, they got some things like some slants. They got they, – they still did their, their shorter stuff, but it gave pass catchers an opportunity to run after the catch. Um, I think that's still a way to move the ball because we all know it's not – going to be the vertical offense that everyone desires it's just not there will be some occasional shots and there's going to be some ways to pick up chunk completions still but in general it's going to be a chain moving type of thing so rhythmically i you know they i think they can do it we see how they kind of function early in games when it's scripted uh, i think that's fine and it works generally well uh, but i'm i'm totally with you like they don't need him to be anything crazy or anything really beyond what he was yesterday just maybe clean up uh clean up some areas maybe chill a little bit when it comes to the pressure but no i i think they can i think they can win these easier contests with yesterday's baker now you're going to go into the postseason and baker i said it again <laughs> guys i i have a real problem associating gardner Minshew and baker mayfield as the same exact person in my mind I acknowledge they're different quarterbacks, but in my head, they're the same person. Um, <laughs> but no, like, I think they can get by through this slate with that version of Gardner. I mean, in the playoffs, if they make it, it's going to be a whole different beast, but yeah. I think they'll be fine. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing, though, aside from Gardner just being this version of Gardner going forward, is leaning on your star players. Like, don't get me wrong. I could go into detail about this Colts offense being, okay, against these certain teams, they need to attack this type of coverage this way. They need to talk talk more RPOs, more empty, stuff like that. Like, I could go into great schematic detail, but to keep things as simple as possible for the podcast here, they need to lean on Michael Pittman Jr. They need to lean on Jonathan Taylor like they did yesterday. When when the going got tough in yesterday's game, when they needed a conversion on third down or they needed a big play, they went to their two star players. That's what those two players are. And at the end of the day, this is a star player league. You need to go to your stars and rely on your stars to get wins. And that's what the Colts were able to do on Sunday. I mean, they leaned on Jonathan Taylor in that second half to run that game away and put the game in the bag. And then with Michael Pittman Jr. in the first half, he was their chunk player. He was their player who got them into position to score those points early in the game and gave them a little bit of a cushion. Uh, I, I don't think every game is going to go necessarily that exact same way, but those are two players that the Colts need to just, they need to be worked into every aspect of the scheme. Like, don't get me wrong. The Colts have really good auxiliary players in Zach Moss, in Josh Downs, in Alec Pierce, and the couple tight end plays that they get for whoever's playing tight end for the Colts. They have the auxiliary players who can make some things happen. But at the end of the day, when the Colts need conversions, when they need things to get done, those are the two guys they need to lean on. I don't care if it's first half, second half, whatever it is. Uh, the Colts need to continue to lean on Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. Both should be pretty fresh here for this last stretch coming off that bye week. Obviously, Taylor had the first couple weeks out of the season, too. So uh, he should be really fresh at this point in the year. Uh, but I think this is the prime push where, you know, your star players need to step up. The Colts have two stars on offense and they, I mean, again, they don't have the perfect offense by any means, but this is where you really lean on those star players, get them in space, let them do their thing and lean on them as heavy as possible to get you into the playoffs. You just said it. the biggest key with Taylor is he is fresh and we've seen him throughout his career with the exception of last year. He tends to get better as the season goes and about midway through is when he really hits that stride. And how violently Pittman is playing the receiver position right now and fighting for everything, I, I love it. I, I think he absolutely has got to be the backbone of the passing game. Whatever whatever the passing game is for them, he's got to be the primary source of it. So I totally agree. Uh, so coming up here in a second, we're going to look at the defense, how Gus Bradley's kind of changed up things a little bit and how that might work in these final six games. All right, everyone, buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. That kind of takes away a lot of the fun and makes it more angsty to even go to these things in the first place. But that's why game time is here and they are the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, whatever event you want to go to. They've got it for you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their pri best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and get and start getting hyped for the fun that you actually are looking forward to having. I personally love game time because. I've uh, been doing a little more traveling lately, have some coming up. If I want to do something just on a whim, whether it's here in Indy or wherever I'm going, I'll be in, in Cincinnati for a whole weekend here in a couple weeks. I can just pick up game time, see what's going on in town, and I know I'm going to find the best price for it. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, all of it. And then the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. And if you do find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will give you 110% of the difference. That's because they're so confident because they can back it up. That's what their guarantee is. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. 
because there's not much worse than investing tickets in something and the, the view is absolute trash when you get there. Uh, buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're done. Tickets are sent directly to your phone too, so you never have to dig through your email either. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And Locked On listeners, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to our first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now, guys, we're jumping back into the conversation. We talked about the Colts offense in segment one. Now we're diving into this Colts defense. And you guys know this has been a little bit of a passion project for me these last couple of weeks. I've I've actually like gone back and like charted every single defensive snap the last two weeks. And then obviously I'm going to do it for this week as well against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I mean, in those two weeks that I did chart before this pr- most uh, most recent game against the Buccaneers, uh, I was seeing so much quarters coverage, so much cover seven, so much cover six, like this is not a Gus Bradley defense. Like, don't get me wrong. Those wrinkles have always been in Gus Bradley's back pocket, but now it's becoming like the forefront. Now it's going to his front pocket. You know, he's moving it up to his front pocket. It's in the important area of his pockets right now in that front pocket of his jeans uh, when it comes to that quarters coverage, because that's the Colts base defense these last couple of weeks. And I really wanted to use this last game against the Buccaneers as more of a litmus test on if the Colts were going to continue being that. I mean, you guys heard the broadcasters all game long being like, oh yeah, Gus Bradley likes to sit in his same defense. That's what Baker Mayfield was telling us the other day. And I was like, well, if they're thinking it's going to be cover three, that's not what the Colts have been doing the last couple of weeks. And sure enough, I mean, I, again, I need to go back and chart every single snap that just happened in this game. But by my count, just from my eyes watching the game, I mean, I at least saw quarters coverage on a majority of the snaps in that, or at least a too high look on majority of the snaps in this past game. Maybe the Colts are a quarters coverage team. Maybe Gus Bradley has finally transitioned into the new era of football where he's moving away from the cover three and moving into quarters and two high looks. And, you know, we're kind of seeing the Colts defense reap the rewards of this. I mean, in the last three games, the Colts have only allowed two completions of 20 plus air yards uh, in those three games. And given not great passing offenses, but the Buccaneers were a very explosive passing offense. Again, we heard the commentators all game long, if you guys watch it with the audio there, saying that, oh, the, this Buccaneers offense has been so explosive this year. Why they only have like two pass attempts past 10 yards in this game? It's because the Colts are sitting back. They're letting these opposing offenses get everything underneath and they're coming up and, and attacking the ball. And we're seeing the Colts reap the rewards of that on defense. So again, Jake, on this show, we talked about it, what, a month ago? I guess it's a month ago now at this point because you count the bye week, how we really thought this Colts defense might be broken after that Saints game. I, I, I was so down in the dumps on that on this Colts defense after that Saints game because how do you come back from that? After what Derek Carr did to them in, in that game, how do you come back from that? And since then, we've seen a very different defensive scheme. We've seen a very different defensive approach, and we've seen very, very, def- very different uh, defensive success. So I've been really impressed with Gus Bradley and this Colts defense the last three weeks, given bad offenses, but still I'm taking all the results I can get here in the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, we kind of said this yesterday after the game that bad, bad offenses. Yes. With Carolina and new England, but yesterday was more of, or Sunday was more of a litmus test because 
you do have that Baker connection with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Like it's a legit offense, even Rashad white. That's a lot of underneath stuff too. But like you have multiple layers of the offense that are having success, especially in the passing game there. Um, But no, I I mean, they have ratcheted up things and cleaned it up a bit, not allowing as many big plays. And when they are there, it seems just due to a lack of execution. Uh, Like the guys are there. You can see the plan is there but the players just, you know, have miscommunicated, not knowing, you know, switching coverages or just being off, you know, not yeah. being in the right place at the right time. Which so, is going to happen when you have a seventh round rookie corner. And right. then on the other side, you have a guy starting his, what, sixth game of his career. And then at safety, mm-hmm. I mean, your your super experienced safeties are one has started maybe what 20 games in his career. The other one is getting close to 20 at this point. Like it, yeah. it's a young secondary. So you're going to have the coverage miscues, but mm-hmm. scheme wise, they're, they're shutting down a lot of these downfield shots. Exactly. It, it doesn't feel like a Gus Bradley problem. It feels like a growing pains with your young secondary, thing, right. which you can right. live with, which we all knew was coming. And, you know, as a result, coverage and pressure always work hand in hand. And we were seeing a lot more sacks lately too. I mean, look look at everyone on the on the line. Yes, the run game is kind of suffering without Grover Stewart, but everyone is getting in on the action and putting pressure on the quarterback. Like pretty much everybody except for, you know, maybe Taven Bryan and Eric Johnson are are getting half sacks every game, getting tackles for loss. Like everyone is, is kind of feasting. And I think a, a good portion of it has to be to the benefit of what is happening in the secondary. Yeah, yeah, the Colts are sitting back again, this quarters coverage, this cover two, so they're kind of doing a lot of Matt Eberflus things, but with more aggressive matching styles, so it's it's kind of like the best of what Eberflus brought the Colts, where you're going to let everything stay in front of you, while also combining the best of what Gus Bradley brings, which is that matching scheme and aggressive front four getting after the quarterback, so as a result, the last three games, so over the course of this past month, the Colts have 17 sacks on defense and six turnovers, obviously yeah. two of those turnovers went for touchdowns with two pick sixes from Kenny Moore, uh, so yeah, we're seeing a really great evolution from this Colts defense and it really kind of segues to this next important topic where what's this defense going to look like when you get Juju Brents back and you get Grover Stewart back because we're not just talking about two important players we're talking about two of the most vital players on this defense like the the way the Colts defense have been getting gashed the last couple weeks is in the run game so getting Grover Stewart back is a massive 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 boost like we can't understate how big of a boost this is getting Grover Stewart back when he comes back after this Titans game and then Juju Brents whenever he's able to return from his injury I mean Juju Brents is made for quarters coverage I mean he came from Iowa his first couple years in college Iowa is known as the quarters coverage team in college football they play a lot of that quarter stuff goes to Kansas State gets a little more press in his bag but he's still a quarters guy so getting him into this type of scheme with his zone eyes and his presence and just his ability to to play on on the back end i really think this colts defense can hit their stride here starting in that cincinnati game if they get both these players back uh by that time that game starts yeah and they're gonna need it because again you're facing rough qb play in these last six weeks or whatever but come playoff time if you are fortunate enough to make the playoffs obviously things are going to go to another level yeah. And what's working now is just not going to be January football. You know, it's not going to translate to January football necessarily against these much better teams. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be important to be able to reintegrate these critical pieces. Almost like, you know, you get a your offense is doing well, but then you get a big boost when you introduce Jonathan Taylor back into it, for example. Right. 
Uh, so it's really good to have the buy at this point. And then, you know, in two weeks, you get Grover Stewart back. I don't, I mean, Juju Brents has to start practicing again, but like, right. Th- there's, he hasn't been on IR. There's an expectation that he'll be back sooner rather than later. So I, I agree. Like Gus can only do with his defense, what players and talent he has at his disposal allows him to. Right. And you're about to get an injection of, two really talented players who, again, like you said, really vital to what they want to do. Right. I mean, considering, again, the last couple of weeks, they've allowed 13 points, six points, and then 20 points to a better offense with guys like Eric Johnson, Taven Bryan, Daryl Baker Jr. getting a lot of snaps on defense, getting a ton of snaps on defense. What's that going to look like when you get Grover Stewart and Juju Brents out there? I think it's going to look much better. And I'm optimistic about this Colts defense going into this playoff push as long as they get Grover and Juju Brents back. I still think there are some issues there if they don't, but I think they can survive even without them. Like I I do think this defense is playing some good football right now, but coming up, we're going to transition to another coach on the Colts roster. We're going to talk about Shane Steichen and how much we appreciate everything he's been able to do this year with the Indianapolis Colts. But first, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning a $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, which include spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Again, don't take my advice for it. Every time I give you guys advice on the over-unders, I'm the worst at it. Go go to Jake. Jake is fantastic with this stuff. He wins a lot of money on sites like FanDuel. So, uh, yeah, definitely go to Jake and go to all your fantasy experts that are not named Zach Hicks for all your advice when it comes to FanDuel. But if you just trust yourself, visit FanDuel.com slash lock on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Jake, so I'm really glad you wanted to have this whole conversation here about Shane Steichen at the end of the show because you guys know me. I'm a big Shane Steichen fan. I've been a huge Shane Steichen fan for a little over a year now, and you guys know I was doing jumping jacks and and all other kind of aerobic exercises when the Colts (laughs) hired him to be their head coach. Uh, Calisthenics king right here. Yeah, yeah, I was doing yoga. I was doing all this. I don't know. Whatever exciting dances people do, I was doing all of them for the Shane Steichen hire, but I think the results so far this season, have you told me where the Colts would be at right now after only having, what, two-ish games of Anthony Richardson? If you told me they'd be in the playoff picture uh, at this point in the season with that background of Anthony Richardson only playing two-ish games and missing Grover Stewart for most of the season and missing all these other guys, like, I would call you crazy. I mean, my most optimistic prediction before the season was maybe seven, eight wins. And now we're looking at a very feasible route to 10 wins. Like, I'm not saying it's super likely because, again, you still need to win these games. But the way the Colts are playing right now, the way that they're coached right now, 10 wins is not out the window for a team that lost their starting quarterback super early in the season for the whole year. So I think that just speaks to how good this coaching staff is and how good this hire of Shane Steichen was. Yeah, no, Shane is starting to get some a, a little bit of buzz for coach of the year as well. I haven't read it yet. It's on my reading list, but I saw over at SI.com, Connor Orr had something, I think it was called like uh, how how to talk to your friends about Shane Steichen's uh, coach of the year candidacy or something like that. Uh, but no, it's out there. Like you said, there's been a lot thrown at him. They're six and five now. Again, they're explosive rookie, exciting quarterback who is supposed to lead the team lost early in the year. 
the starting five offensive line has played together in what, like four games. Like they've, mm-hmm. they've had to patchwork the offensive line and it's looked great the whole time because after all the coaches he brings along with him goes into this, that goes to his credit as well. Right. It's been a nice coaching staff. Uh, the tight end group, which was supposed to be huge this year. Jelani Woods has not played yet. Drew Ogletree, who is like your next explosive guy has missed a lot of time. Jonathan Taylor missed the first chunk of the year. Basically, there's nothing has gone to plan essentially. And they're six and five, staring eight and you know, eight, nine wins in the face. Like you said, could be 10. They just have to win four of these last six. Um, I I love it. The, these guys have bought in, and kind of what spurred this whole thing is obviously, you know, the whole NFL world knows now that Frank Reich was let go by the Panthers. Uh, really rough start in Carolina, obviously. Um, I'm sure a lot of people probably don't agree with it. It's a results business. Um and there haven't been results, but pretty early to pull the plug. Uh, but, you know, this just gives us, you know, ammo to be very appreciative of what the Colts now have in, in Shane Steichen. And another thing that spurred this was Tyquan Lewis uh, spoke Monday. Um, and he mentioned, you know, when we were in there on the Zoom call, uh, Shane Steichen is a player that these players really want to play for. He brings accountability. He backs up everything he says you know he has those four big pillars that he's mentioned several times and he lives it it's in the locker room uh he he preaches it and basically you know Taekwon said he he thinks Shane can get them to the promised land which in the NFL means a Super Bowl win obviously uh so this team has bought in they're seeing results and accountability and he's walking the walk and you know talking the talk walking the walk and uh, his players really appreciate him, and we are seeing results from Shane Steichen. Yeah, and I just really respect a coach that is aggressive like him, like who's aggressive and confident in his aggressiveness. Like, yes, he he still feels a lot of things out. Like, he does the fake punt thing a lot and tries to get the <laughs> – one one of these days he's finally going to get too many men on the field on the other side, but we'll we'll see if he ever gets somebody he, with he that. He wants offsides and encroachment so bad in those fourth <laughs> and shorts, too. He wants he it. He does. I mean, it's, it's worth it, honestly. It's really worth yeah. – like, what's the difference in punting on fourth and inches compared to punting on fourth and five? You know, if, if right. the say you have a 2% chance of getting a first down out of it, it's worth it, you know, like whatever. Uh, so I love that, but I, just the aggressiveness and the confidence in general. And that's really why the Colts won this past game. They had, they have a coach that has no fear whatsoever. I mean, again, the no fear to call that play that the Colts did to really ice this game, that Moelle Cox catch for 30 yards up the seam, uh, on his own side of the field, fourth and inches, you have Jonathan Taylor out there. Everyone thinks you're running it. You have, I mean, it's so much easier to call the run. It's so much easier to call the run and just say, hey, if we get stuffed, I put the ball in my best player's hands. I ran it behind Quentin Nelson, our, our highest paid player. Like, I did all the right things. We just didn't execute. It's so much easier to have that if you don't get it. But you're opening yourself up to so much criticism if you don't get that Garter Minshew completion. You know, like imagine, yeah. imagine someone runs with Marley Cox and that's knocked away. Imagine the conversations we're having right now about that call. I mean, it, it goes down as a horrendous call, but to have that confidence and that aggression and just, just all those things in one is what makes such a young, excite like such a young coach. So exciting. And we, re- again, we have to remember he's coaching with, with his dominant hand tied behind his back this season. Yeah. Like, again, I, I don't want to trash on Gardner Minshew every single episode, but 
this offense is not made for Gardner Minshew. The offense is made for the explosive young rookie they just drafted in Anthony Richardson. This offense was supposed to go off with Anthony Richardson. It's not a Gardner Minshew offense, but he's had to adjust on the fly. He's had to you know, put more empty personnel in, put more RPO stuff in, put more quick hitter stuff and really eliminate his entire downfield passing game because that's just not what Gardner Minshew is. And the Colts are still winning games. Like given they're not beating the greatest teams in the world, but they still beat the Baltimore Ravens. They still beat the Mm -hmm. Houston Texans. Those are two good football teams that the Colts went out there and beat this season. Uh, And they still have a chance to beat the Texans again late this year as well. So it's like, I think this is just a really well-coached team. I think this is a coach that knows what he's doing. And even though he's still figuring a lot of things out as being a head coach in this league, the Colts are winning games regardless while he's still doing all these things. So I'm really high on Shane Steichen. I think that's the number one thing we can take away from this season regardless. Even if the Colts only win another game or two the rest of the season, I mean, that would be a major letdown if they only won like a game or two the rest of the year. But in the disaster scenario where they only win like eight games this year, I mean – that's such a promising start to a young coach who took over a four win team uh, and lost his starting quarterback early in the year to take them to even eight wins. Uh, I think that would just be a fantastic start to the Shane Steichen um, like just era here in Indianapolis. So Shane Steichen has been like the most like stock up this entire season from any Indianapolis Colts player or personnel uh, this entire year. He has just been fantastic. And I have no doubt in my mind that Shane Steichen's the guy for this job. Totally agree. I, I mean, after all the groundwork that has been laid, I'm really looking forward, and I don't want to skip ahead, but I'm I'm really looking forward to see what they do next offseason with a early draft pick that, you know, they don't have to focus on building a new offense. They have their quarterback. They have some nice pieces. Uh, you know, free agency, they don't usually do a lot with that money, but now they can really they can really integrate some things into Shane's offense with whatever money they're willing to spend. So Again, Arrow is up. I'm I'm really excited to see what comes next year, but this year ain't done. Uh, yeah. Six six more opportunities to to do something, and honestly, the playoffs don't seem far fetched at this point. And I don't even want to say that they seem likely because they they do have six more games to play. But these are six winnable games that they could win any of these six. Yep. And so there's a good chance this team makes the playoffs. And was anyone expecting that? The Colts were 26th or worse in most power rankings leading into the season. Uh, so, shoot, I mean, Shane Steichen's coach of the year candidacy is legit. Like, I, I think people are realizing, like, he's got this team really bought in, and they're they're a decent team. They may not win every week, but they're competitive. Yep, yep. If you guys are like us, leave a comment below talking about how much you love Shane Steichen. And if you don't already, make sure you're following us at Locked on Colts, at Jake Arthur NFL, and at Zach Hicks 2 all on X. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd love your guys' ratings, reviews, and we'll see you guys back here bright and early tomorrow morning.